Well, hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Now, this is a show that's all about helping you to deliver e-commerce well. And to help us do just that, I'm chatting with my very special guest today, Ian Hammersley from the Hammersley Brothers from Smart E-Business. He's, they've literally written the book, uh, they have. Uh, and we're gonna be talking about how to scale e-commerce beyond the magic ones and quick fixes, oh yes. But before we get into that, dear listener, let me encourage you, if you haven't done so already, to sign up to the newsletter on the e-commerce podcast website. Just head over to ecommercepodcast.net and sign up for it and we'll send you all the show notes, links and all that sort of stuff. All free, all automatically. It's awesome. So make sure you do that. And also, let me give a big shout out to today's show sponsor. You've guessed it, e-commerce cohort. Uh, if you would like to know more about our monthly mastermind, our monthly membership, do come and find out more. Ecommercecohort.com. All the information's there. Everything you could possibly want, everything you could possibly want to know is all there. So check it out. Come join us. We'd love to see you in there. And as part of being on the cohort, one of the new features is we live stream. Uh, the recording of the podcast into cohort. So you can come and listen to our live recordings like with amazing people like Ian and you can get to ask your questions too which is, well that's just super super important isn't it really because you want to know, you want, you've got your questions so if you're in cohort come and ask those, uh, do join in on the live streams. Now before we get into the conversation. I was just saying to Ian, actually, before we hit the record button, that it's great to actually finally get to meet. He is a fellow e-commerce podcaster, uh, the Hammersley Brothers podcast, uh, the e-commerce podcast with those guys is definitely worth checking out. But actually, uh, it's it's one of those things where um, the person that connected us is actually Oliver Spock uh, from... Uh, Sweet Analytics, which is fascinating. Oliver's been on the show. Uh, He's been in cohort as well. Legend of a guy. So uh, thanks for the connection, Oliver. And if you want to know more about Sweet Analytics, check out sweetanalytics.com. It is a great, great little thing going on there. In fact, we're playing around with Sweet Analytics on one of our own e-com businesses as I read this. So there you go. Check it out. Now let's talk about Ian. Ian is a standout entrepreneur celebrated as a finalist for the Great British Entrepreneur Awards in 2014. And with a knack for e-commerce, he enthralls global directors of mammoth online businesses through lively keynote speeches, while his best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to E-Commerce Growth, showcases his seasoned strategies. Beyond Print, Ian co-hosts the buzzing Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast, sharing e-commerce gold with thousands worldwide every week. So uh, if you're an e-commerce, go check it out, go subscribe, uh, because it's a great show. I listen, uh, which is important. Uh, Ian, great to have you on the show, man. Uh, Finally, we get to have this conversation, so I'm super excited. Great that you're here. How are you doing? Uh, Hey, Matt. I'm really good. I'm really good. I remember you recorded all that. I thought you did that like as an aftertake. That's all like a live recording, isn't it? All your intro and your oh, music yeah. and yeah, everything. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would be in when you hear it back, uh, but no. <laughs> we tend to do it all in one take, which is good, and it keeps it all a little bit fresh. It, it is easy. Yeah, it, makes it is easy. No, it's great to be here, Matt. And, and like you, I've listened to your podcast, and we were just saying before. Right? When I'm pretending to work out at the gym, <laughs> I put your podcast on. Is that where you I generally listen to podcasts? 
sit there doing my little walk on the treadmill. Yeah. Listening to your uh, your e-commerce. No, no, it's great. I mean, it, it, no, it's, it is great to be here. I mean, it, um, yeah, I'm excited to get, let's get going. I mean, a, a wonderful briefing as well for our podcast, e-commerce gold. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's two, two old blokes, two, two old brothers <laughs> chatting. That's basically what it is. <laughs> Two old blokes chatting about e-commerce, but you're the the thing I love about your show is you're in Manchester, right? And yeah. your brother Mark, he's in New Zealand. New Zealand, yeah. So this is a, is this a case of the brothers just we kind of get on, but we don't want to be anywhere near each other, kind of a thing. Well, he married a Kiwi. That's what he did. Okay. I mean, let's face it. If he wasn't, you know, if he wasn't working with my brother, he'd have said bye. <laughs> you know, when you when your business partner says, "Oh, I'm going to go and tra- I'm going to move across the other side of the world," he said, "This is a problem." Yeah, but we managed to. I mean, the, you know, the, interestingly, the podcast came about because um, we're twelve hours apart, so he was driving into work, and I was driving home from work, and we would start chatting in the car about about e-commerce because right. of obviously what had happened during the day. Yeah, and so it was very natural. That's what happened. I mean, you know, we, we ended up just rec- starting to record those conversations and that's where the podcast came from, which was, you know, as I say, when you go back to some of the early episodes, you're like, oh, dear Lord, this is <laughs> very low tech. <laughs> <laughs> this is not good. Yeah, it's fair to say that um, uh, I, I'm with you, brother. I <laughs> Some of our earlier part, we were saying before we hit the record button, there are people that reach out to us. And we do, I'm, I'm sure that you're the same way and you love to hear from the audience. And uh, people connect with me either on Instagram usually or LinkedIn and they say, hey, listen, love the show. Uh, but every now and again, somebody says to us, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the show. I, I decided to start at episode one and work all my, my way through. Uh, and yeah. we're like, I, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm changing the gun yeah. through. <laughs> Those first few episodes, uh, I don't know how you guys did it. I've not heard your, uh, I should probably go back and listen to your early episodes. But for me, uh, Please don't. <laughs> Ian, what I did was I, I just literally grabbed a microphone and just started spouting about e-commerce. Just anything that I knew yeah. just came out of my mouth. There was a little bit of a structure, but nothing more than that. And I think I got to about episode 19 and I said to the team, I said, listen, I'm really bored of the sound of my own voice here. (laughs) (laughs) So that's when we made the permanent switch to doing the uh, interview style podcast, which was great. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it's got better. Yeah, no, it's funny. I mean, when you you start doing your podcast and I mean, like when, you know, the book we wrote, you know, obviously, you know, you're putting all this effort and you think, well, literally no one's listening at all. You know, so, you, you know... You know, you don't really know how it's going to develop, but obviously yeah. over time, the ramblings of of things start to take shape, and you know, you form the sort of structure as you go. But you know, in some respects, it's the philosophy of business, really. Is yeah. that you know, you don't let perfection get in the way of good. You That's know, and, very and, true. and you see people in e-commerce bringing it back to e-commerce that who um, who try to get everything absolutely perfect. You know, sit themselves in a, in a you know, in a dark room somewhere for six months and then emerge thinking they've got it cracked and obviously the market's moved on. And yeah. how e-commerce works, it's almost like everything's in beta. Yeah. You're testing all the time. Eventually, yeah. you know, you get better and better. Um, and it's the same thing with everything. It's the same thing with the podcast, any, you know, any business really. That's such a good way of putting it, always in beta. E-commerce is always in beta. And I, I, I like that. I might steal that, you know. I'm, I, uh, I, <laughs> if it, I do, I'll try it. and remember and give you the credit. But um, e-commerce <laughs> is always in beta. And it, and you're right. We've all, always 
got to be learning, always got to be improving, always got to be iterating. And that desire for everything to be just bang on perfect before you do something um, is quite a common desire, I think, uh, especially yeah. with people starting up, right? If they're, if they're starting out um, or if they're yeah. re-platforming their website, everything has to be just so before they do it. Um, and it, yeah. it, I, think, I think you're right. I think by the time you've launched that perfect website, it's out of date, right? Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think it, it's, a, it's a danger throughout every phase of e-commerce, you know, right from the from starting, but also the ones that are doing, you know, much bigger, you know, 20, 20, 30 million plus. And it's it's like the danger of shiny distractions. And 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 I think I think that that is the fundamental thing that probably I've spent the most, you know, I've I've been working in e-commerce now for over 20 years. And the thing that, that I've focused on or seen is is how you navigate through the shiny distractions of e-commerce because our, our industry is like you know it's not like an accountancy f- industry or you know a lawyer you mm. know solicitors where you know it's been practicing for hundreds hundreds and hundreds of years e-commerce is literally embryonic and so this and it's moving so fast it's yeah. like doggy years yeah you know and so if you know if you spend six months doing something on your e-commerce site you're and you think it's going to move the needle um and you get it wrong, it doesn't, you know, yeah. you've like all your competitors have just accelerated ahead. So I think it's, it's knowing, it's knowing because there's so much you can do and there's so many things that you can plug in and so many things you can focus on, average order value, life and customer value, widget plugins, all sorts of new yeah, tech, yeah. you know, and you're like, what and how do I do? And it's it's knowing, it's knowing what to do and, and having a framework for taking that, that emotional emotion out of it, and, and coming up with the ration, the rationale to actually, you know, have have a clear, concise path. Mm. And you know, I think that's generally what what most people will struggle with is is that that scattergun approach. They're sort of all over the place, and it's like just I, I kind of know what I need to do. But I don't know what order I need to do it in because if I get it wrong, you know, you, a it could be loads of money, but also it's time. Time is yeah. the biggest worry, isn't it? I think yeah. you lose. Yeah, you're right. It's um, <laughs> I like the analogy with the accountancy uh, company because, they, like you say, they've had years, centuries to perfect, in effect, what they're doing. Yeah. They've got software to help them now, but in effect, it's a ledger with two columns, right? Uh, yeah. So it's what they – I did accountancy at university. The rules haven't changed. Uh, you know, it's just <laughs> – yeah, it is know. what it is, you know. We're, <laughs> we're not going to offend any accountancy firms, do we? But, but uh, like, you know, no, no – you know, there's no sort of rule book for how you run your e-commerce store, really. No. Um, you know, as opposed to you know the ways that the accounting for destruction, isn't it? And it's yeah, and, and it's just there's an overwhelming danger to to do the to do the wrong thing next. Mm. Um, and and you know and you know and, and I think I think the other thing that people find I think it's to navigate your way through all of that BS, really. Like like yeah. take um, the example I always give it, you know. Take something like website speed, you know, so people think, well, often people hear people say website speed, you've got to make it faster, like yeah. you've got to make the website faster. Um, and then people will, repeat, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to really improve your conversion rate. And it's like, well, will it? You know, let's think about it logically. Like if you've got a, a, a site that's loading at like, I don't know, three seconds, you know, on average, you know, mm. sort of like a three-second page load, which is, 
you know, like pretty, pretty average. And if you, you know, if you, if you make a website faster, is it going to magically make people buy? It's like, you know, if you put a self-service checkout, like a fast service, like Tesco checkout in a high-end jewelry store, you know, on the high street, would, would that magically make people buy? Mm. No, of course, it, of course it wouldn't. But it's like the sort of, these are the sort of things that are spouted out in yeah. our industry. And people go, oh, it's going to, there's, you know, there's this magic thing that's going to make people buy. And I think it's, a lot of a lot of the work that that I do with my brother um, is actually taking it right back down to the basic fundamentals of retail. Mm. You know, if, if if our business was a shop, you know, on the high street, how would we lay it out, and why would we lay it out, and how would we get people in and navigating yeah. around the store? And you know, it's it, it, it's much much simpler to it think is. about it from yeah, that perspective. It is. No, I like that because actually, for me, commerce is still a lot about old school principles. Right. So yeah. technology is changing. The way people buy are changing and we've got to keep up with that. But the principles of how to deal with people, even online, are, are still pretty timeless, aren't they? And you, you know, yeah. you still want to treat people properly with respect. You still, There's all these things that you can think about. Um, but we think because it's e-commerce, those rules don't apply. So you do focus in on, oh, I just want to get my site speed. You know, I want to get that yeah. magic green number on the Google page speed test. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, but if there's a fundamental problem with how you're connecting with people, how you're talking with people, the language you're using on the website, but I, I think I know which is the bigger problem to solve, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I think, you know, in some e-commerce businesses, like, you know, speed, you know, if, if you've got like um, people are adding, you know, 10 things to the basket, like a, like a B2B site, you know, the speed does be kept to quite poor. But like the average lifetime customer value, so the, the amount of times people shop online in a year in a typical e-commerce business is 1.2 times a year. Mm. So like they're not coming to the site that often. Like they're only buying 1.2 times in a year. Yeah. So, you know, for them, they're not buying because the website's fast. They're buying because, you know, they believe that, that, that you know, we've convinced them that the desirability is there, that we've removed their anxiety, we've positioned the brand right, um, and actually believe that we're going to, you know, we're actually going to get the product to us, you know, that we want, and and you know that's that's why they buy. Um, and I, I I always think, you know, going back to the analogy of e-commerce, you know, it is it all it is all about people, and and um, you know if you're looking at your Google Analytics and you're looking at your sessions, like that's people. Okay, apart from a bot, let's not talk about bots, but let you know the sessions. Yeah. It's people, isn't it? It's yeah. actually people coming in, and I always say. Imagine if your e-commerce store was a physical shop on the high street and just close your eyes for a minute and just go, well, imagine if someone, you know, if I could if I could see people coming into the shop and I might get people who, you know, go over to, a, you know, a bunch of shelves and put something in the basket and then drop the basket on the floor and walk out, you know, and you could see, you could see this happening and then maybe some people would, um, would go over to the till and they're about to buy, and then they just leave the basket on the floor and then run out of the shop, you know. Or, or there were some people that were just about to put the credit card on the contact list, and they and they just abandon, and and then you you end up like with all these empty baskets all over the shop, mm. and you'd have some people that would come in the shop and and just walk out the door, and it, like this is you know this is how we break down the conversion rate because it's like well how many people add to basket, you know on average it's about ten percent should add to basket, and then. And then of those people that add to basket, about fifty percent of them should go to the checkout. Yeah. And then 
about 85% of them who go to the checkout should actually buy. So, you you know, if you sort of think about because if someone says to you, oh, get your conversion rate high, you just need to get your conversion rate high. It's like it's it's completely pointless. It's like saying be more successful. Just sell more stuff. It's like, <laughs> it <doesn't> mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, really irritating so you've got to break it down to those things and, and and i think you know what what we often find as well is that um in fact true story there's a, a business in manchester a, a fashion e-com brand that uh, we're doing was quite pretty big doing about 20 million um and they they wanted to improve their they thought to improve the conversion rate, they'd improve the checkout. So let's hmm. improve the checkout. Let's make and they were obsessed over it. It took them about six months and and spent a lot of money and time trying to make their checkout really slick. And, you know, roll it out after like six months of absolute blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. And nothing happened. Like no, nothing happened. Like it was no improvement to checkout whatsoever. No improvement to conversion rate. Like the drop-off was identical. There was no, no change at all. And, you know, you, you, when you look back and you go, well, obviously there wasn't going to be any change because their checkout to order stat was already at 92%. And the average is 84 <laughs> So you're like, you're already way higher than average, but, but guess what's low? That, like their, their add-to-basket stat was less than 4%. So they've right. got less than 4% of people running to basket. And you're like, well, what? that's where you should spend your time. Yeah. Um, at which then they, they, they did subsequently, did spend the time. And, you know, they, 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 they put a little bit of effort in there and they got the add-to-basket up to about 6%, which was like revolutionary. I mean, they massively, massively increased the conversion rate. And I think they added like a couple of million quid, mm. you know, just by... You know, and if they'd started looking at the well, how many had to basket, how many go from basket to checkout, um, and they looked, you know, they see where the opportunity is, and it's you know, simple stuff like that. that you yeah, kind of yeah. once you figure, once you understand that, you go, oh, well, that makes sense. Why are we faffing around? You know, and the same thing about if it was a physical store. You know, if you had a physical shop, you know, you'd be like faffing around with the wallpaper behind the checkout because you know you think, well, that's going to make people check out better. Well, actually, it'd be far better to look at the fact that you no one can find your bloody products in the first place. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know all those kind of things. Anyway, rambling. No, Going this is this weeds. is all good stuff, and I'm I'm busy uh, taking notes in because uh, I, you know, all very helpful. Um, what sort of things then, uh, if we go through this? Yeah, going back to the example of the company, their add to basket rate was four percent. Work on that. Yeah. They 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 increased it by fifty percent, six percent. Um, what sort of things would did they do, or would you recommend people do to it yeah. if they're struggling there? How do we increase our add to basket rate? Yeah. So that that particular that, that particular business actually was very uh, typical of a lot of e-com businesses now. That that if you break it down, so their add to basket was four percent, right? So that so for them, you know, we'd probably say you know the average order value was about eighty pound something like that yeah so we'd say okay let's try and get your ads basket up you know let's let's try and really focus on it so somebody like that maybe about eight percent basically you have once if your ads basket is low you have to look at where they're landing mm. so you know, now the average amount of people that land on the product page, about 60 percent of a normal econ business land on the product page so they don't go through the home yeah you know like 20 percent is, is home 20 percent is category and then a 60% is product. So normally, 
And so the product page is the new landing page. And then you look at the fact that, that well, how much was mobile, how much was desktop? And this particular business is like 75% was mobile. And so you're like, okay, so they're all landing on the product page and they're all on mobile. Yeah. And and so you so you think, well, that's where we need to start. And then you look at, well, what are the most popular products? And like, you know, it is not, you know, the 80-20 rule. Yeah, yeah. Like there's always the best sellers. And you go, well, well, these are the products they're landing on. So you then start to know exactly where they're landing, what device they're on. And obviously then you optimize that because you can't do everything. Mm-hmm. You know, they, I mean, this particular business had, I think, you know, thousand or two products, a couple of thousand products. So you're like, well, actually. The where, where we should optimize is where we're spending the money. Like the, the you know, and, and the reason why they're landing on the product page on on mobile is because that's where the the ads are. That because that's yeah. where the customers were. Because yeah. you know they're looking at they're on Google Shopping and they're on Facebook product ads and or Meta product ads. <laughs> you know now it was Facebook when we, when we looked at it. But you know you get a good idea. And basically the the, the next thing to look at was that their bounce rate was really high. So you know. People are landing on the product page on the mobile, and the bounce rate was like eighty, about eighty-five percent. Yeah. Now the average bounce rate for a product page should be less than sixty percent. So this this particular business had a bounce rate of eighty. So you know, and th- so there's the other you know benchmark is is if the bounce rate for the home page should be less than twenty-five. Mm. Bounce rate for a, a collection or category page should be less than fifty, and a bounce rate for a product page should be less than sixty. So you kind of go, well, normally when the ad to basket's low, it's because there's a bounce rate problem. So you go, well, okay, if I get the bounce rate um, lower, we naturally we go, we should get uh, a, an increased ad to basket, and if the ad to basket's higher, we should get an increase of conversion rate, and if the conversion yeah. rate's higher, we should get an increase of ROAS, which means we could then pull the traffic lever again. So it's just it's following the route mm. up rather than having this generic, let's do everything. Because essentially in e-commerce, I think if you do everything, you don't do anything. Yeah. You know, because it's just a waste of time um, often and it can be expensive. So essentially with that particular business, it's it was product page mobile. And what you're really doing then is you're looking at like, okay, are we positioning the business correctly? Like do they, do people know who we are? Um, do we pass the busy restaurant test, which is something that Mark and I came up with, which was, the, you know, the, the positioning. And, and sometimes people put their positioning on the homepage, like we're the UK's leading such and such with, you know, 50,000 amazing reviews. And then they don't put that on the product page. And then no, yeah. no one ever sees it because they're landing on the product page. So they're like, the and the busy restaurant test, um, I'll just tell you a story really quick. Go for it. If you, if I may. Yeah, don't, want to, yeah. don't, want to, don't want to go down too many rabbit holes. And you have to bring me back, Matt. And the problem is with you and me, we'll just end up chatting <laughs> here for days. But but the, the busy restaurant test is, is is the idea that, you know, let's say you're in a, you know, somewhere like Paris or London or something, and you're with your partner and you're hungry. You're really hungry and you're walking down the high street and you need to find somewhere to eat quickly. And you see two restaurants. Um, and you see, you know, one one restaurant is nicely full, nicely busy, and the other restaurant's completely empty. And you say, well, which which restaurant do you want to eat in? And you say, well, we'll go to the busy one. You yeah. why? Well, because there's there's people in it, mm. so there's evidence that it must be good. And you're like at this point, you don't even know if the food's any good. You can't even yeah. see the food. You can't even see the menu, but you see people in it, and you go, well, it must be good. And there's loads of psychological examples of how that technique works 
um, and for an e-commerce site. Because the problem is in e-com, you have this like nanosecond of time where people yeah. make the decision whether or not they should stay, should stick around. And am I going to find what I want in this e-commerce store? Should I bother to invest my time here? Because the, the overwhelming temptation is to go back into Google or Instagram or wherever the hell you were and try and find it from somewhere else. Because you can, you know, it's not like being in a, you know, a, a town on the high street where, you know, you're the only you know, shop that sells hammers yeah. in this town. Yeah. And that's that's where, like, the e-coms change. And I think, you know, you have to position it because, you, you know, you, you might be one of 300 shops in the town selling the same hammer or whatever you're selling. Yeah. You know, online is, is you know, it's, it's like it's like walking into the Trafford Centre. We have a the shopping, big shopping mall near me in Manchester called the Trafford Centre. There's about 300 shops in there. And I always say to people, it's like, imagine if you walked into the Trafford Centre, and there's 300 shops in there, all selling yeah. the same stuff that you're selling. And you're like, as a customer, where? Why would you buy from you? You know, how are you going to position people to get to come yeah. in and buy? And that, and that's that's a really difficult question for a lot of econ businesses because they often say things like, "Oh, well, we just got great customer service. You know, we're a family <laughs> business. We've got great customer service. We really look after your customers." And then you go to the website and you're like, "Well, there's no evidence you've." you are what you say you are like yeah there's no, you're not even saying that and you know so you know things like trust and credibility is a big one you know and, and the only way to demonstrate trust and credibility is to prove it to actually show it like, mm. you can't say we're great you have to show evidence of of trust from customers and credibility often from a third party yeah anyway i'm rambling i'm rambling a lot now no Matt, it's you? it's good it's good i'm kind of curious you know as you're talking who do you think is doing this well at the moment, positioning their brand well, showing that sort of trusted credibility that you're talking about? Yeah, the, the, there's a couple of examples that I I always throw out there. One of them, one of them is um, Spoke London. So there's a business called Spoke London. It's a UK business selling yeah. men's chinos, and and what we often find is that the positioning of an e-com business it, it, it should be based on two things like what people want mm -hmm. and what they don't want so and the way to find this so that spoke london that you know if you're buying the, they sell men's trousers online right if you've if you ever bought trousers online particularly trousers and for particularly for men but the thing that we want is we want we want it to fit like we, we're anxious about for what happens doesn't fit me yeah like that you know that's what we're really bothered about so their positioning is They've focused on the biggest pain or anxiety when you're buying something online, trousers, uh, which is fit. But will it fit me? And then their whole strap line is, uh, you know, the 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 the, the best. The be we know we know fit like no one else. We've yeah. got over 400 custom fit sizes, and so that's their positioning. And then they they back that up with a, a quote from the Telegraph saying. You know the you know the, the ultimate go to best fitting chino we've ever tried. That so they've got that third party, yeah. and then their reviews from their customers are all talking about fit. Oh my god! You know I never thought I'd find a pair of chinos that would fit me as well. And like you know, and it's just repeated. So they've positioned it on fit, yeah. and then they're backing it up with with third party credibility and evidence from customers. And to be honest, like. Fifty percent of e-commerce is, is about is about getting that right, yeah. particularly now. Yeah. 
Um, and they did it. And, and each 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 industry in e-com, there's always a different like anxiety. So um, take something like uh, gifting. You know, the gift. You know, the gifting isn't obviously about fit, but it's gifting. Anxiety is: will it arrive yeah. on time for the event? Like for the birthday, is it going to arrive? Like so, and then the second one is: well, what happens if they don't like it? And so, and then you go, well, then we know that we know what they're bothered about because we can see it in the because that's what the negative reviews are. You always we always look at we do something called the anxiety test. Yeah. So you just look at the reviews. That's brilliant. Like all your competitors, like what people love about them and they hate about them. It's all online. Like yeah. oh, go on Trustpilot. Like no one does this. We like we love doing it. We love oh, reviewing. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I spend a lot of time looking at reviews from other sites here. <laughs> It's so good, and then and then essentially, like you go back, like gifting, and you say, well, are we addressing the the, the biggest anxieties? You know, which is will it arrive on time, and what happens if they don't like it? And often, like the answer is no. Like you're not saying when it's going to arrive, guaranteed delivery. You know, next day or super fast dispatch, yeah. or you know, next day delivery in stock. Like you're not even saying if it's in stock sometimes. And then the second one is is what happens if they don't like it. But you just put, you know, 60-day returns. Like, don't put a bloody 14-day or yeah. even a third. It's not enough. If you buy yeah. a gift for somebody, you want an extended returns. Yeah. No more bloody returns gifts anyway. So it's like free money. Yeah. So you have to put this. And but and you have to put it in the place that people see it. Like, you know, you wouldn't put it in the foot, in the terms of conditions. You've got to put it next to the outer yeah. basket so people actually see it. And, um, and once you kind of do that that review mining, you, you know, your positioning – becomes quite clear and you know the job to be done for gifting is the emotional reaction that your gift recipient is going to receive like so if i gave you a gift i'm going to be like oh my god matt's going to love this mm. i can't wait to see his face when i give it to him that's the job to be done that's what i'm buying yeah and so the marketing then on you know on on social should technically be vid- little videos of people go oh my god this yeah. is amazing thank yeah. you so much like because that's the job to be done um so it's on it's just understanding like i think psychologically where people are when they're starting that decision and and, and what they what they what they want um and you know, and we've done loads of bloody you know work around if it's a problem like if you're selling a, a like a replacement fridge hinge it's very different to selling a, a beautiful cashmere scarf <laughs> Five hundred pounds. Like, is it yeah. different? Is it the, the needs are different, aren't yeah, they? So yeah. you have to, is it desirability. Is it problem solving? Is it convincibility? But it's, it's to be honest, it's the same method. It's just you have to you have to understand psychologically what we you know. What don't they want? Which is the anxieties? How can we get rid of all those anxieties? And what do they want? Which is desirability or convincibility? And then you back it up with with evidence that yeah. you've done it. No, um, great. And everyone will be checking out Spoke London now. Um, yeah. I, I've actually been on their, their website and um, they send me, or they used to send me, I've not sent, sent me, maybe because I've moved actually, I'm not told my new address, but they send those little sort of well done sort of mini catalogue type things, you know, the little paper things, which oh, are yes. quite lovely. Um, so I know the site that you mean and yeah, I, I fully appreciate, you know, it's a great example. Were you involved with that or did you just think it's a good example? No, we, no, we, no, I'd like to say, I think we did, did have a chat with them once, but I mean, you know, that, you know, like like most of our great ideas, we just we we see somebody who's done a good job, and we then uh, we go, "Oh, that was clever." 
<laughs> I like that. I like. We'll no, just do we that. do that a lot. Yeah, yeah, oh. we do that a lot. And like you, I do a lot of uh, mining through reviews. So not yeah. only our reviews, but the reviews of competitors, the reviews of similar products, which might not even be a direct competitor. Um, and you're you're always looking for the common statements or the common questions yeah. that people have or the common this solve this problem you know that sort of yeah. information aren't you and it's i'm always surprised at how many people don't do it but it is just a yeah. gold mine of information it is it is literally a gold mine and i think i i actually call it like the gold nuggets of e-commerce because you, know, you always find um these really great reviews so you know we did it for a, a big cookware um, reseller in the UK, one of the biggest, and, and we were looking at saucepans, and like they're trying to they're trying to sell you know more saucepans, and there was a non-stick saucepan, and you look at the, and it's like when I say this, it's so obvious, but like until you look at the reviews, what they, what they're good, and we we you know we looked at like yeah. I mean we're nerds, we looked at thousands, but you know one of the reviews, the good reviews is it says things like it's truly non-stick, and it said there was another one that said. It's so easy to clean, even my teenage son can do it. <laughs> You're like, there's my marketing strap line. That's it. <laughs> there's your, that's the job to be done. That's what yeah. we want. And the opposite is, um, is you know, basically it, it's it, it's hard to clean. And, you, yeah. know, uh, you know, it was a pain. And so you know what people want. So you, exactly, you know how to position it and then you know what to back it up. So, yeah, it's like it's like a gift. It's, uh, you, lots, lots of people don't do it, which is it. Uh, which is a mistake, in my opinion. Yeah. No, like you, I can't begin to tell you how many headlines I've used because it's a comment written in someone's review. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you just think uh, even ChatGPT couldn't have come up with that, you know. It's just a, it's a yeah. beautiful thing. And um, so, yeah, we. <laughs> I like that. Even my teenage son could clean it. <laughs> how to sell out your saucepan range. Just put that in the... In the... It's just, you know, and you, once you see those reviews, you just know, ah, that's it. Mm. And actually, the... the we often find that um, you know people will install like the latest like Trustpilot widget or whatever widget you know review widget and they'll just plonk it on and go oh there you go I've put my reviews on and it's like well no because what problem is is when you just plonk on the, the, like a generic review mm. engine that's pulling through the latest reviews you you end up getting reviews on there that have nothing to do with the job yeah, to be done or exactly. anxiety yeah and you know so for example. You know, for the cookware brand, we would know for that saucepan that people really want to see evidence that it's truly non-stick, and that's yeah. what they bothered about. So if the reviews come through and they go, "Oh, it arrived next day," I will let people aren't buying the saucepan because it arrives next day. So yeah. you, it, it, we often like to cherry pick the reviews and, and highlight them and and bring them out, and then you know that's what you put in your Instagram, Facebook ads. Yeah. You put it. That's what you put in your welcome series, all your emails. That's what you put on the website, all over the place. So you're starting to bring that that story, yeah. and tell that story on throughout everything, and it's you know I don't know that, that you know this is I think it's fifty percent of it is is about finding the right positioning and then backing it up with yeah it is trust and credibility it is because i i like you, know, you what you're in effect doing is you're talking a language that matters to the customer in a way that they understand aren't you and and this again goes back to the earlier comment of e-commerce is about old school principles using in effect modern technology uh, as a yeah. form of delivery but 
it's still the same thing. What matters to your client? Talk in a way that matters to them, and uh, and you'll be amazed at just just doing that simple thing. You know, it's uh, it's yeah. quite an incredible thing. What's your yeah. um, just on a slight tangent here, Ian? Uh, since we're talking about reviews, how um, I'm, uh, let's say I'm, I'm a uh, econ business just starting out. My reviews aren't great in terms of numbers. Yeah. Um, what sort of things can I do to go and get more reviews? Do you think? Yeah. Well, I, I think the, I think the first thing to note is is actually. The biggest thing you have to demonstrate with e-commerce is really evidence that you can, you know, back up your claims. And, and yeah. sometimes the worst thing you can do is actually put, you know, we've got ten reviews. Yeah. You know, or you know, and I always say anything actually anything less than a thousand. You know what? In some respects, it can do more harm. Yeah. So you know, if you've got the widget on there, the Trustpilot widget that says, "Hey, yeah, we've got." 200 reviews, you know, rated. And it's, it actually makes you look like you're, a, you know, selling from your bedroom sometimes. You look, mm. you don't, you look. So I, I actually say hide, you're better off hiding your, your, you know, your kind of small review count. And you're better off, you know, coming up with better positioning around, you know, how many products you've sold or um, how many customers you've had or you know, how long you've been trading yeah um because it it just looks a lot more impressive and and i I really don't buy the i mean obviously it depends on who you are and what you're selling but generally you know you know people are skeptical and you know people don't know because when you're on when you're in when you're buying on the high street or in a supermarket shopping arcade you can see the shop right you know that it's there it's credible when you're online People are much more skeptical about well, who yeah. the hell are these guys? Like, are they are they a guy in his bedroom? Are they yeah. a big national brand? So you know, and people don't want to feel that they that you they're going to be let down. Um, you know, so yeah, generally hide it, and obviously to try to get more reviews. I mean, you you know, you know, really you have to you have to ask for it. I mean, you know, we have some industries tend to get naturally more reviews. We're working with a jigsaw company at the moment, and and um, and they're, they're selling jigsaws to probably slightly older demographics. And I think when when they email them and say, "Can you give us a review?" I think they go, "Well, I, I, this is part of the process. I'm like, I've got to do this." Um, <laughs> so they get like, loads. like like over like I think one's got like forty thousand reviews on Trustpilot. And we're like, "Wow, holy god, how did you get that?" They said, "Well, I just asked for it." Whereas in other industries, the same thing doesn't work quite as well. No, they're, they're, they're not bothered. Um, yeah, so you know, but it obviously does. You you, you know, you, over time, it does. Um, it, it does grow. Yeah. Um, one 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 little trick, actually, uh, just in the perspective of us completely learning all the time. Whenever we're working with an ecom brand, there's always something you learn. And, and one did it the other day, and they said, "Oh well, before we send the you know the review on Trustpilot or wherever it you know whatever review engine it was, we we email them personally. And we say, "Hey, welcome to our brand." We're so proud, you know. We're we are we're a family business, you know. We 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 really really want you to have a great experience. So if there's anything that you're not entirely happy with, please let us know and we'll put it right. Um, and they did a video of them, and I think like one of them, like the you know, she's holding like the she's at home, she's yeah. holding a baby, and the, and this and and like they get so many 
emails back saying, well, I was going to give you a one-star review because, you know, it, the, the, you know the, the postman left it on the, the doorstep, whatever, but actually, you know, I'll reach out to you. And, the, and then that massively yeah. helped them get the the uh, you know the, the five star like rather than negative reviews because sometimes you can get the odd negative review and it's it is as an owner it's quite soul destroying isn't it we all yeah you personally. take it quite personally it's sometimes yeah, yeah no you do you, you, I, I remember with yeah. um with Trustpilot when we were we don't use Trustpilot anymore but when we were one of the problems that we found was um again it came down to sequencing with the emails I think in some respects but one of the problems we found was People treated Trustpilot like a customer service thing. So it's like, well, yeah. my order's not arrived yet, so I'm going to give you a one-star review rather than going to customer service. Where's my order? Do you know what I mean? I'm trying yeah. to figure – it's just like, well, I think those the how we position those reviews, how we the sequence in which we ask for them is actually quite important yeah. um, because I think people do start to think say things on there, which is like, well, that's actually a customer service issue. That's yeah. not a review issue. Um, a review issue is the product was crap, you know, or yeah. the product was great. Or um, a, a review issue is not, oh, um, I've not got my tracking number yet. You know, it, it's just, yeah, exactly. it, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It is unfair. I mean, and it, it, I think the only thing, the only thing really you can do if you get negative reviews, and I agree with you completely about the sequencing, is actually to drown the negative in positive. And, mm. and sometimes you'll find like, you know, Facebook, you know, you'll, you'll have like some negative reviews on Google or Facebook and, and you know, you kind of want to just get them above four because, you know, people will find a way to, yeah. to you know, to make a, to make a comment, a decision. And you really just have to try and drown them out and forget yeah. about them actually and not take them too seriously because the problem is sometimes, you know, obviously we're told as marketers, yes, you have to listen to your customers, but actually – you don't want to listen to possibly Mrs. Miggins who's saying that, the, you know, the website was hard to use and you end up putting like a big bloody, you know, tick box on the, you know, the, you know yeah. on the checkout that says, you know, you accept that we may never, like if you listen to your customer services to, like in some businesses I've actually moved the e-com directors away from the customer service team because they're getting really depressed by listening to the customer. And all I'm saying is that you, obviously we have to listen to our customers because, yeah. you know, we need to we yeah. need to make the, the website better and answer questions. But but the negative customers have a disproportionately loud voice. Yes, they do. In your ear, and it stops you doing things that are going yeah. to encourage growth. You know, your, your, your recruitment offer, your retention mm. offer, you know, you just have to accept that there are going to be some people that um, that moan. And, and But it's, you know, you might have had a thousand customers that are really happy and one that's then given you, a, you yeah. know, a negative review. Yeah. And then it's a met like whole businesses, like change their entire strategy off one damn review. And you're like, what are you doing? Why? Why, Why would you do you that? Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's. Uh, I'm with you on that. I think it's it's one of those things where you, especially if you care about your business, and I appreciate this is not true of everybody, but if you care deeply about the business, you you do have a tendency to take those negative reviews to heart. Yeah. Um, and you take them yeah. personally, and I think very simply, you just look at the review and go, "Is there honestly anything that we can learn from this? Yes or no? Mm. Um, and how can we reach out to this person?" you know, offline, not in a, a in a commentary underneath, you know, this sort of whole 
conversation yeah. plays out in the review. But how do we reach out to them um, and just talk to these people and just see what's actually going yeah. on before we make any crazy, crazy decisions, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like putting check boxes on the basket page and things like that. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, just making your terms and conditions so convoluted. That was always something that bothered me a little bit, you know, whenever you call a company up and they go, yeah, but our terms and conditions clearly state. You, the terms and conditions which I never read before, well, it's not our fault, is it? Yeah. You know? And you're kind of like, yeah, I just wanted you to act like a normal human being, if I'm honest with you. Uh, but apparently yeah. you can't because you've wangled your way out of that in your terms and conditions. Um, yeah. And it's... Yeah, I I feel like I'm going to get on my soapbox in a minute, uh, Ian, so I probably should have avoided it. We have our own e-com brands as well, and, and from, we always say, to, look, just, you know, just, just give them a – don't even worry about it. Just give them a, ref, a refund. You know? mm. I mean, and obviously, it depends on your costs and your margins, et cetera, mm. but generally – you know, just let it go. Yeah. Like, you know, just put it down to experience and as part of the, you know, the whole, all that ethos of growing an e-com, like the, yeah. going back to the beta mode, like, oh, well, that's interesting that, you yeah. know, you know, and, you know, just generally try and, try and stay to, stay to the course and keep, and keep going. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm uh, totally with you. Um, listen, yeah. Ian, I'm aware of time and we're just, we are just losing it here. Uh, tell me a little bit about the book. What I, I was fascinated with, because Chloe uh, is also, if you're not aware, dear listener, Chloe does an e-commerce podcast, Chloe Thomas, um, which is also worth checking out. But Chloe's also written a book, and I remember sitting down with Chloe going, what on earth possessed you <laughs> to write a book? Why would you, yeah. why would you do that? Uh, so I'm going to ask you the same question, uh, Ian. Uh, why? And, and, and what, what was that whole journey like? So the... the 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 story behind the book. I mean, essentially, my brother and I we we've, we've been we've been in e-commerce for you know. I mean, we're like we're veterans now. We're like over twenty five years, <laughs> and I think going back, you know, quite early on, and our 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 focus really has been on answering a, a, a couple of que- like two basic questions of e-commerce, which is why why some e-commerce businesses scale and mm. some don't. Like that that was the that was and that still is the question that we that we set ourselves every day as we, mm. as we continue to go. And the, and the book, the book went into that, that really, well, what are the, what are the successful things that e-commerce businesses are doing that are growing? And what are the yeah. ones that are, that are stuck or just can't grow? What, you know, is it, what, what were they doing? Like what was consistent about both groups? And that, that sort of, that was a bit of an obsession and it came down to, um, you know, some basic principles which which we wrote about in the book and and yeah I think really we wrote the book probably as a bit of a bit of fun really didn't think it would be you know anyone would re- like you know you think what you're talking about you know internally is is common sense but it's only because you've been doing it every day mm-hmm. you realize actually it's not but it, the, 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 you know, the book was quite a cathartic exercise of it and it, and it really it goes through the the main the main KPIs that we look at when we're mm. running our own e-com brands and 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 we, you know Mark and I we're probably looking at like four or five e-com analytics a day and we have done for over twenty years and so you know through sheer certainly no intelligence but through sheer exposure you get a very very like an unrivaled yeah. exposure to like thousands and you you know you you then get this 
this, this sort of this instinctive and 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 the book really talks about this and and it, and I think the first one is really the math, the maths which is which you know unfortunately we can't we can't we can't get away with I was I was I spoke in London the other week and um, at an event and I and I told the story that I was practicing for this this speech and I and I turned to my I've got three daughters and I turned to my daughters and I said it's all about the maths and they're like no like it can't be about the maths take it back take it back and I was like well this is a big part of an econ business mm. but you, it was about that. and 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 when we looked at the ones that were scaling and the ones that were that were getting stuck that, that, that a lot of them had the maths on their side so when I say the maths like we're really talking about margin life to customer value um and you know they 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 had it they had it so you know and you couldn't call it from the outside i think as an e-com professional if you look at two e-com brands you know and you go well that looks really slick like really good like beautiful really well executed great team great marketing great positioning really nice and the other one over here you know perhaps a little bit rough and ready and but you couldn't, you cannot on that basis see which one's going to scale. Like yeah. you can't, you have to go inside, and and the the, the numbers are the key. So story story we talk about in the book is there's two, you know, the one on the left that looks super slick that you think is going to scale, you know, actually has low margin, like thirty percent margin, which is pretty tight. Um, uh, an average order value of thirty pounds and a lifetime customer value of one. Yeah. It's a one gift, one product gift company, and you're like, that's that's difficult because you know, you've got so little mm-hmm. room to play with when it comes to advertising. You know, it's so hard to try to because you basically, you know, we're at the mercy of the gorillas, which are Google and Meta. Like they're yeah. the ones that we've got to play. We can't say to Google, uh, we we we're only want to give you fifty p for a company. They're literally going to dictate how much. Yeah, yeah. You know, you they will allow you to recruit a customer for. So we've got yeah. to work with them. And the other side, that other one, is a is a supplement type business, a collagen type business, and they've got margin of like sixty percent, average order value of fifty pounds, and people buy six times a year. Yeah. So over a year, that that customer's worth whatever you know, that's like you know two hundred, three hundred pounds. So you can see how much easier it is. Mm-hmm. To scale that one because you can you can really aggressively pull that traffic yeah. lever and go for a very low new customer ROAS. Whereas the one on the left, that gifting company, you're like, oh my, it's so difficult. Yeah, super tough. Um, super tough. So the, the maths we talk about the maths a lot. I mean, it's basically this, the KPIs that we go through when we're running our own business. Like the, it wouldn't you know? And we said unexpected KPIs, but I mean they're not. They're not that unexpected. I mean, that you know, that they're fairly, fairly logical ones. But it's, it's it, a lot of it's telling stories of, of, of you know, of how we've, how we've, you know, put context yeah. to these KPIs, like how you improve the, you know, the add to basket rate and the bounce rate and how it all comes together. But we know, at the end of the day, we wrote the book because we, we, we enjoyed writing it. Didn't really think it would be a bestseller, but it, it you know, shock horror. People want to hear two, two, two boys from Stoke. about (laughs) e-com i'm always amazed how many people listen to uh, this podcast yeah i'm a boy from derby so not just down the road and so uh, i mean i'm not in derby now but you do (laughs) you do kind of think 
Yeah, people actually are really interested in this stuff, which is always quite humbling. Uh, uh, yeah, it is. It, it's, yeah. Uh, but it's lovely. So the book is called The Ultimate Guide to E-Commerce Growth. Seven Unexpected KPIs to Scale an E-Commerce Shop to £10 million Plus. Do you, um, I'm just looking at the picture on your website here. Do you, do you change the cover for the US market? Uh, so $10 million plus? Or, are you, or do you I just leave the little pound I, I, symbol in? I mean, a sensible company would, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be lying if we, if we were that attentive. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> That's brilliant. Anyway, the, the answer is no. i tell you what's funny about the American market. Um, is like a small little niche e-com brand in the UK. You know, it might be doing like a couple of million, something like that. Mm. In America, that little small niche, you know, is like 10 million. Yeah. Um, and beyond. And just the market is so much bigger. Yeah, it the is. The potential. I mean, it's hard. It's a competitive market. It's harder to crack. But, but, boy, if you could actually get in and start going, you know, getting some of that, that market in America, it's uh, it's huge. You know, we we had, we had a one one e-commerce chat we were talking to the other day, and he's he's selling like the ends of hose pipe, like hose pipe ends, like okay hoses and little ends. Yeah. You know, and you kind of think, oh, this is a tiny. In the UK, it would be like I don't know, maybe six hundred thousand pound turnover, maybe that. You know, he's doing five million, and his nearest competitor. This is purely online. Nearest competitor online is doing sixty million, and the next one. <laughs> Is doing a hundred million online, wow. selling these little ends of these these hose pipes. And we're like, whoa! <laughs> Where do I buy is... those from? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm going to sell those. No, it's interesting what you say about the states. I mean, our uh, our, our first uh, our beauty business, which we sold, we weren't allowed to sell to the states. We only had to, we were only allowed to sell in Europe. Uh, terms and conditions of the suppliers. We can talk about that uh, another day. Um, but our current side at the moment, um, our supplement brand, we distribute to the States and it is a massive market for us now. Um, yeah. Grown at a huge rate. And it's it's interesting. Australia is also a really interesting yeah. market, you know, sort of very up and coming, as is New Zealand, you know, uh, where, where Brother Mark is. Yeah. Um, there's only, the problem is in New Zealand, there's only... It's only Five four people. people. Yeah. <laughs> Three, 300,000 sheep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we're laughing because in New Zealand, in order to have a big econ brand in New Zealand, you, ha you literally have to get the entire New Zealand population to buy from you. Yes, you do. Because there's not enough, there's not enough people. So it, <laughs> it, it, it but, but likewise, actually, competition's a lot less. Like, there's yeah. not, you know, there isn't as many people there because of the consumers. Yeah, it's not many. True. Very true. It is an interesting place for. I mean, we we do a lot of business in New Zealand, to be fair. Um, oh, cool. So, which is great. So, um, but no, interesting, uh, interesting. Listen, uh, Ian, I know we could. We're just getting warmed up. Um, but uh, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to connect, find out more about you, what you guys are doing, um, the podcast, the book, the because you guys do a membership type thing as well. Where where do people go find out more about that? Yeah. Well, the the, the route most people find us through is either the the, the 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 masses of facebook advertising that we we ram down people's throat no it's actually if you google hammersley brothers you'll you'll see us in various forms i mean we've got we've got the site i mean the, the podcast is a, is a you know is a, a good gentle place to to listen to us um but the hammersley brothers website is where 
is where we go and, and essentially you can either you can join one of the courses there and there's various different courses you know mm. trying to some of them trying to get to um you know different levels essentially get you know get to two million get to, get get beyond that there's one that one that gets to 50k a month you know trying to trying mm. to focus on the on the right levels but yeah hammersleybrothers.com is, a, is probably the best place to go fantastic Fantastic. We will, of course, link to that in the show notes as well, which, if you're subscribed to the newsletter, will be coming their way to your inbox. Otherwise, sign up to the newsletter uh, and uh, we'll send it to you automatically. Mark, listen, uh, Mark, Ian, (laughs) I'm thinking of your brother in New Zealand. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the show, man, and genuinely love the conversation, loved your insight, loved the down-to-earth Stoke Manor. That's that's quite nice. Very refreshing. And um, yeah, I appreciate appreciate it, Matt. Honestly, genuinely loved it, and uh, we'll have to do it again. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's great. Yes, great. Thank you for coming on. So, what a great conversation! Huge thanks again to Ian for joining me today. Also, a big shout out to today's show sponsor, the e-commerce cohort. Remember to check out the e-commerce cohort at ecommercecohort.com, and be sure to follow the e-commerce podcast wherever you get your podcast from because we've got some more great conversations lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them, no. And of course, if no one has told you yet today, let me be the first person to tell you, you are awesome. Yes, you are, credit awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear. Ian's got to bear it, I've got to bear it. You've got to bear it as well. The e-commerce podcast is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is the wonderful Sadaf Bainon and Tanya Hutzlack. Our theme song was written by Josh Edmondson. And as I mentioned, if you would like to read the transcript or show notes, head over to the website ecommercepodcast.net. So that's it from me. That's it from Ian. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'll see you next time. Bye for now.